And I love that kind of the feel uh, of kind of that opening video as we go. And, you know, I was hoping months ago when we were working on branding and titling and all of that, that we would kind of be back to Christmas of old this year. That families would be together with no tension, right? That our country would be at rest. That we would find ourselves drinking eggnog, sitting around the open fire and just enjoying those moments. But that isn't where we find ourselves today, is it? You know, based on prayer requests that we get, that you send in, that we get the joy and the privilege to pray for you as a staff and as leadership, just hearing your heart and the struggles and the challenges that are there. You know, based on just lunches and coffees that I've even done in the last couple of weeks, I'm reminded that we're not experiencing for everybody a hallmark kind of a Christmas, even still this year. That, that families, right, are, are still feeling the tension and the divide and the chasm over all kinds of different issues, whether it be politics, whether it be COVID process, or whether it just be flat out regular family dynamics that we face, the challenges there. And so this year, as we headed into this Christmas season, I, I wanted to take time in the series to acknowledge that reality. Because so many times it's easy to pretend like it's not there and let's just have the feel good things about these, this time of the year. And I know for many of you uh, in our family, it is a challenge and the struggles that are here. And so last week, Pastor Zach reminded us again, the difference between being a peacemaker and somebody who's trying just to keep the peace. Powerful word for what many of us are walking through even here. The blessing, we were reminded that peace comes in the midst of chaos and the blessing that it can bring. And if you think about that idea of chaos, it it really is central to the Christmas story that, that peace, that, that Jesus came to a world that was in chaos and the peace that it brought. I mean, really from the beginning, that has been the story because everything in the Christmas story was chaos, if we think about it. I mean, thousands of strangers coming back, journeying back to their hometown, journeying back not to participate in a large Christmas parade, they were journeying back to pay oppressive taxes to Rome. Chaos. Shepherds. Minding their business at night in an evening and all of a sudden the sky erupts and a message is given to them that will turn their lives literally upside down. Chaos. Wise men who are simply following an ancient star run into a king who brings chaos into their lives and they find themselves fleeing for their very life as it comes. A young mother with her first child, finding no room to stay, gives birth to her child in a stable. It's chaos all around. And from the very beginning, that really has been central to the theme. It hasn't been all bright and glitz and easy things. There has been chaos from the beginning. But it's in that chaos, right, that a true character is exposed and revealed. Here's the big thought for us today as we jump in. I simply wrote it this way. Character is exposed in chaos and celebrated when there is clarity. I tried to get as many C's in there as I could. But here's what it is, right? Character is exposed in chaos. We tend to want to think this, right? Character is built in the midst of chaos. Listen, if you don't have character in chaos, you're not going to have character after chaos, right? It's exposed 
in those moments. And the last part, that that kind of character many times is only celebrated on the back end when we have clarity to the circumstances that we have been walking through. And so we give today that character is exposed in chaos and celebrated when there is clarity. So today, I want to look at one verse, one phrase, that if you're like me, I've read over this phrase almost every Christmas season, and I don't think I've ever stopped to give it the depth and really the appropriate impact that it needs to have. It's a simple phrase that really frames one of the key central characters to the Christmas story in a different way. Today, we're going to look a little bit at Joseph. And this phrase is going to move Joseph from a passive participant, a a nice guy who is just really supportive, a good guy that way, to a courageous man of character and conviction. And we're going to see this, that Joseph does one powerful thing. He places the reputation of Mary above his own. It's going to be a challenge for us as men, for us as husbands. Are you willing place the reputation of the one God has given you above your own. Easy to say, hard to do. So let's jump in this morning and do that. If you've got your phones, go to lexcity.info. All of our sermon notes are on there. If you've got your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 1. And let's look back at this familiar passage during this Christmas season, but maybe see it in a new, in a fresh way. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, we start this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, phrase for the day, being a just man, and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son... And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. If we go back to that phrase, uh, NIV translates that phrase, uh, the word just as righteous. And this idea, uh, this is the key thought for today. This idea of what a righteous or a just man is. In in the Hebrew, it actually refers to a man who was a Sadiq, is how they would pronounce it. And a Sadiq is simply this. It's a man or a person who has an uncompromising obedience to the Torah or to the law of Moses. If you had this thing, you could rise to the position of a Sadiq. So here's Joseph. Was a Sadiq. He, this means a couple things. He didn't eat unclean food, right? He didn't mix with the wrong kind of people. Like Chick-fil-A, he was closed on the Sabbath, even if he could make a little extra money at the wood shop during those days, right? He was a Sadiq. So this was his identity. Everybody knew him as this. We'll see throughout the story as we go. So nobody, if you think about what this meant, nobody ever invited Joseph over for ham sandwiches with tax collectors and prostitutes. That's really kind of what this means, right? This is who he was. So as a Sadiq, every morning, the very first words that would come out of Joseph's mouth was a Jewish prayer called the Shema. And the Shema simply went this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. So this is Joseph. Devoted to the Lord, devoted to the things of God in such a powerful way. He was the model, right? He was a model of what a God-fearing person should be. You want to know what it means to be somebody who loves God? Look at Joseph as it goes. 
He was pure in, the, in his faith and pure to such a level, now think about this, that the Bible, that God calls him a just man. This was Joseph. He really had reached the pinnacle of what spiritual prestige could be in the context of his community. There were only three positions that were higher in Jewish culture than the Sadiq. The first one was if a person was a priest, all right, a cherished position. The challenge is you could only be a priest if you were a descendant of Levi. So it was a very small section that even qualified there. The second one up from a priest was a prophet. A prophet, only a few men were chosen by God, called for God for a specific purpose of being a prophet. That was one. And then the third and the highest of the spiritual tree in those moments would be the Messiah himself. And so what I want to encourage you, remind you today is that Joseph had reached the pentacle of what the average Jewish man could ever hope to be, a Sadiq in what he was. So as we think about Joseph and we think about what, as we think about him in our Christmas story, can I be reminded he was not a mild and meek and quiet man. Joseph was a spiritual giant really in the context of his community. The Bible says he was a just man. So when he and Mary were betrothed, right, this was no small thing in this community. This was not a couple nobody knew anything about. Small, small community. If you lived in a small town, you understand this. Uh, and so in Matthew chapter 1, as we pick it up, we're going to find Mary and Joseph betrothed in that betrothal period. Now, again, if you're familiar with the Christmas story, you know this, that betrothal period was not simply like today, like just this idea of being engaged. We're thinking about getting married. We haven't set a date, but I needed to get her a ring, those kind of things. This is a legal stage of the marriage process. When you are betrothed, for all practical purposes, you are married except for the fact that you don't live together in the same house and you haven't consummated the, the marriage until the evening of the ceremony that's there. So they were considered in the eyes of everybody and considered by the law to be married since they were betrothed. So let's go to verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Chaos. <laughs> See, Joseph now has this dilemma that he has, right? It's the dilemma of when your character comes up against the chaos of life. The dilemma was as a Sadiq, he must follow the law. That's what he is committed to. And the Old Testament is extremely clear what happens in the context if a woman is found unfaithful in the midst of that. Go back to the book, just let me read it for you. Deuteronomy chapter 22, listen to this. If a man is found lying with the wife of another man, both of them shall die, the man who lays with the woman and the woman. So they shall purge the evil from Israel. If there is a betrothed virgin and a man meets her in the city and lies with her, then you shall bring them both out to the gate of that city and you shall stone them to death with stones. The young woman, because she did not cry for help, though she was in a city, and the man, because he violated his neighbor's wife, so you shall purge evil from your midst. It's pretty harsh, pretty clear. Reminder, in the context of, of law, the Torah there, betrothal was marriage, and so if you found a woman to be unfaithful, and if a man was unfaithful, it was that kind of deal. Now, in the New Testament, we picked this up. There wasn't a case where they were, you don't hear records of people still being stoned for unfaithfulness, but they certainly were shamed and disgraced for the act of being unfaithful. So here's Joseph, right? Chaos. In, in good conscience, he cannot marry Mary, 
who has been unfaithful to him. If he marries Mary, all it will do is will confirm the fact that it was actually Joseph who had been unfaithful with Mary because he, mar- because he chose to marry her and that he had been unpure. And Joseph knows in his heart of hearts that he has not been unpure with Mary, but the law requires justice. So as a Sadiq, he's got to follow the law, so by the law he must divorce Mary. That's the side of his conviction. That wonderful other part of Joseph. The more I learn about Joseph, the more I love Joseph. We have this compassionate part about Joseph, and that Joseph loved Mary, And that's just how I want you to walk away. He loved her deeply. This wasn't just like a marriage out of convenience or something. He loved her deeply. He loved her more than he loved himself. So Joseph wants to spare her at the expense of his own reputation. Now listen, here's how Joseph solves his own reputation problem. He divorces her publicly, right? Proclaims publicly that my betrothed wife is been unfaithful to me, and so by law, I am divorcing her. He's a Sadiq. Everybody will believe him, and Mary will be the outcast and condemned. Joseph, in this moment, could have played the victim card, and his life would have went on just as normal. I've been holy. My bride-to-be was unfaithful. There's nothing I can do. I'm the victim. But I love this about Joseph, that he loved Mary to the point that he put her first in all things. So the law, here's an interesting thing. The law provided opportunity for a private divorce as long as you had two witnesses. Numbers chapter 5 verse 11 talks about that. So he could divorce her as long as he had two witnesses and it could be privately be done. The dilemma, right, his integrity requires that he follows the law, so he would have to divorce her, but his compassion, he would do it quietly without disgracing Mary. Now, now the reality is this. This isn't a permanent solution, right? In a small town, just like a church, word would quickly spread. I thought Mary and Joseph were getting married. Why aren't they getting married, right? It would quickly spread. People would begin to figure out something had been wrong, and gossip would be, I mean, prayer requests would be quickly being shared all around as we go. But listen, this solution, it would protect Mary for the short term. But it wasn't a long-term solution, right? People talk. Eventually, they would know this marriage had been dissolved. So his character and Mary's character puts them into chaos and a challenge. I think it's interesting. I'm reading the scripture. It's interesting that Mary didn't tell Joseph about her condition until it became time she couldn't hide the condition anymore. When the angel shares this with Joseph, it appears it's the first time Joseph realized this was the case because he's a man and he's clueless. And the angel says to him, listen, I'm gonna tell you something, Joseph, because you haven't figured this out yet, and it's gonna be a little bit shocking. Go to verse 20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. This idea that this is the first time Joseph maybe was aware of this. And so the angel gives Joseph some clarity, right, in the midst of the chaos that he's experiencing. And then I love this. And the Lord honors Joseph's character. See, Jewish culture usually defaults to this, that the naming of the child is the responsibility of the mother. 
But the angel says to Joseph, what? You have the privilege to name this child. And in a way, when Joseph names Jesus, it's a way of adopting or acknowledging that this child is mine and the power of that. Look at verse 21. So she shall bear a son, here's the key, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And the moment that Joseph took Mary as his wife, the moment that Joseph acknowledges Jesus as being his earthly father and names him in that moment, his position, his power, and his influence as a Sadiq was over. And see, we, we know the story. And we know after this, oh, hang, it's not a big deal, Joseph. I mean, eventually there's going to be this manger and Jesus is going to be born and kings are going to come. And oh, Joseph, relax, it's going to be great. They're going to make like stick figures of you and, and uh, they're going to light little inflatables of you. Joseph, it's going to be awesome. People will know your name. They'll name their children after them. But here's the deal. We know the story, but in reality, in this little community, they never believed Mary and Joseph. They never forgave Joseph for the feeling of betrayal in which they had. His reputation was never restored. We, we see this a little bit later uh, when Jesus is around, well, about 30 years later when Jesus returns the second time to his hometown and he goes to the the synagogue. Let me just read this little account in Mark chapter 6, verse 2. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in a synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? And what is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, and Hoseas, and Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. Don't miss this little part in this little phrase that the crowd is actually insulting Jesus by insulting his earthly father, right? Is this not, here's a phrase, is this not the son of Mary? Jewish tradition reminds us this, that a man is known by his father. So my two sons T.J. and Trent, son of Brian, that they're known by their father. And so when they refer to Jesus as the son of Mary, they're saying, listen, you're actually illegitimate. Your father is illegitimate. We're not even acknowledging your father. You're the son of Mary. Joseph, who's done no wrong, Joseph, who has been a man of righteousness and purity, a Sadiq, is now not even being recognized as a legitimate father. And the price of character, listen, is always high. And it's not always recognized, and it's not always rewarded this side of heaven. And see, some of you today, can I just say to you, you need to hear that truth. Because like Joseph, listen, you've made integrity decisions. You've chosen what is right over what is convenient in your life. And those decisions have caused you to be misunderstood. Those decisions have caused you to be judged. And for some of you, they've even caused you to be rejected. So don't lose heart today. That's my encouragement for you. That God sees all things. 
that God knows all things and God rewards all things in his time. Today, we celebrate Joseph and we don't even know the names of the people in his village because character is celebrated when there's clarity over time. See, your integrity, it really is gonna be your legacy. Your character is the thing that you will be remembered for that's imparted and, and duplicated, hopefully, in the lives of your children and the people around you. I mean, that's, we see Joseph's legacy in the life of Jesus. Think about who Jesus was. Jesus, the friend of sinners, the companion of the outcast. Those whose society rejects, Jesus embraces. Besides simply being the son of God, fully God and yet fully man, I wonder if being the son of Joseph gave Jesus a front row seat of what it means to be an outcast, of what it means to be misunderstood. I wonder if it helped Jesus to have a better picture of what it means to not label people as sinners and unforgivable, that Jesus understood firsthand the pain of judgment and what that judgment causes in the life of a family and what that judgment causes in the life of its children. The Christmas story, right? The story of Mary and Joseph is more than just a cute little manger scene with clean shepherds who come down and wise men who bring things and pretty angels, right? The subplot of the entire Christmas story is what happens when character is confronted with chaos. I mean, that's the depth of it and the power. Chaos, right? It, it does not create character. It exposes the character there. Mary and Joseph did not become uncompromising followers of Jesus because of the virgin birth. The virgin birth only provided the stage for who they truly were, and they put it on display for the world. So it is with us, right? Chaos. I mean, these last two years, boy, the last two years have displayed a lot about our character and, and who we are. So questions, do you like what you're seeing? Do you like what you're part of the story in this chapter and what it's reading? This is like, feels like last Christmas. There have been some unique challenges even this Christmas season that we've come. And so it has again been a test of our character. So here's a question I wanna just ask you today too. Where have you been encouraged over these last two years where you have seen your character growing? And where do you wanna take time to think about where I want my story to be different? So I wanna do this this morning, just in this time, we got a few moments. I don't wanna rush over that too quickly. So for yourself, where have you been encouraged by what your character has been exposed? Where have you said, man, God, you've really grown me in this area. God, I'm really encouraged. This is an area that used to control me and this is an area I have victory in. God, these are some things. Where have you been encouraged over this last little season? And then secondly, where has your story not been 
what you've wanted, right? Where in this last two years has the chaos brought up some things in you that's just like, ooh, it's not what I wanted it to be. Where does your story need to be rewritten on those areas? So how can I grow in my character and how can I really become, here's the challenge, right? More like Joseph. Um, and what have we learned from the life of Joseph? Let me just this morning give you three, three simple but profound things. Number one, be committed to the study of the word. Right? Joseph's character was birthed out of his discipline. He was a Sadiq, so he studied the law daily. Your character grows out of time in God's word. 2 Timothy promises this. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, right? All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for what? For teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. For every bit of chaos that comes in your life, he says, this is how the man and woman of God will be equipped to handle these things and spend time. It's one of the great promises of the Bible, right? If you get into the word, the word will get into you. If there's things that you want your character modified in, then here's the promise. Spend time in God's word. Where do I start, Pastor? Listen, hop online. There's a thousand resources. Just get at it, dig at it, go do some work along those things and figure out what it is. I mentioned this year I'm working through a, uh, the life of Jesus in a parallel um, sequential Bible. It's just putting all the events. It's been an interesting, fun, new way to, to look at it. So just stay committed to studying the word, number one. Number two is find a godly mentor. Proverbs 13, 20, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. See, show me your five closest friends and I'll show you your character. Just reality what the Bible says, right? Walk with the wise and you'll become wise. That's why we talk all the time about life groups and getting in a group. Why? It's just the best opportunity for you to get connected with people of godly character and to do life with. So we encourage you. 2022, get involved with a group. Have a mentor. Find some folks. You're, listen, we're so blessed at this church. I look around. <laughs> They're amazing, godly men and women would love to do life with you. Have the courage. Step out. Find a godly man. Number three is simply this, and this is what I love about Joseph. Persevere through the chaos. Romans chapter five, verse three and four. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. That's what I love about the story of Joseph, right? He, he didn't waver. It's amazing. He didn't waver in his love for Mary. He didn't wa ra waver in his commitment to raise Jesus. And as a result, it has produced hope and we celebrate him today. God sees all things. God knows all things and God rewards all things. So we see this beautiful thing in the, in the scriptures where God honors Joseph by putting him in the lineage of Jesus. And as you read through the lineage of Jesus, you will see Joseph there recognized, even though he wasn't the biological father of Jesus. That perseverance produces character, and character brings hope to the chaos. Character. It's exposed in chaos and celebrated when there is clarity. We're blessed today to look back at a man named Joseph 
when the easy road would have came this way, put the needs of others and his wife above his own, was willing to die to his reputation, his influence, and his power for the sake of what was right, because he was a man who was just and righteous. Let's pray together. Father, today we do thank you for that the power of the story that sometimes, Lord, we, we, we simplify down too much and we clean it all up and we make it into this simple little nativity scene activity. But God, this is a story of real men and women who had chaos enter their lives. But in the midst of all of those things today, Lord, we celebrate, we honor the character is shown by this man named Joseph who was selfless, put the needs of his wife and his family before his own, who risked being misunderstood and judged in his own hometown 30 years later, they still didn't call them illegitimate. But God, that's not how you saw. For the bigger picture was this was a man who was righteous and just. So Lord, may that encourage some today who feel that very same way, that I'm just, I'm misunderstood. In my own hometown, I have no honor. Does what I'm doing really matter? Why am I standing up for godly things when it's so hard? God, may they be reminded of the story of Joseph even today. That 2,000 years later, this is the character that is celebrated when all others are forgotten. That you are the God who sees and knows and rewards the faithfulness that we live every day. So Lord, help us to live worthy of that. May our story, may this chapter of this challenging two years we have been through, may our chapter read in the midst of the chaos that they are men and women who stood with character. And we'll give you the glory for it. And all God's people said, amen.